Two grads just figuring out their 20s together. Welcome to Uncharted 20s with co-hosts Sarah and Maya. Hi, welcome to our new series. We're especially excited about this one. So this series, we're talking all about millennials and Generation Z. The reason that we care so much about both generations is because we are zillennials. So we're in between Generation Z and millennials. We have a little clip from our friend who will tell you all about zillennials. And then we're going to go into a debate that we had with my younger sister and her friend from the Generation Z and our millennial friend from college and her cousin. And it was a really cool conversation. It's kind of long, but definitely listen all the way through because they cover a wide range of topics and Sarah and I seriously learned so much from listening to them talk. One thing I think you'll notice from the conversation with the Gen Zers and Millennials is we actually have a lot more in common than we think. But there are also a lot of differences. Yes, so it's an interesting topic. We think it is our best episode yet, so we can't wait for you guys to hear it. Here's Matt explaining Zillennials. Hey Maya, hey Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast to talk a little bit about my Facebook group, Born Zillennial. My name is Matt Duffy. I'm 22 years old, currently living in New York City, and I'm currently pursuing my master's degree in digital strategy through the University of Florida College of Journalism and Communications online degree program. I'm taking three classes this semester, and one of them is social media community management. And we have a semester-long project where we have to create a private Facebook group, and then within that group, foster a sense of belonging and really create an online community. I could not think of an idea for the longest time. And finally, I just realized the one thing that kind of defines me right now is graduating virtually and being in my early 20s during a pandemic, you know, not fully relating to millennials, especially older millennials, and then not fully relating to younger Gen Zs either. So I really just felt on the cusp of two generations and I just knew that other people had the same feeling. I decided on born as a millennial. I'd seen the term Zillennial a little bit online, and I thought it was a perfect fit to describe us. You know, we're the group that transitioned from the non-digital to the digital first. We grew up with technology, but we didn't come out the womb holding a tablet. So I went to TikTok and I posted a video in a last ditch effort to get some members before I had to submit this assignment. And since posting that TikTok, it has been insanity. Right now, we are sitting at 75,000 Zillennials strong. It's crazy, and I'm so excited for the group to keep growing and keep evolving. Every day we're talking about something new and unlocking new memories, and I really think that it's only going to get better from here. The moment we have all been waiting for, the Generation Z and Millennial debate. Thank you for being on this episode today, Gen Z versus Millennial debate or forum, whatever you would like to call it. If first the Gen Zs want to introduce yourselves. I'll go first. My name's Zoe Pantuani. I'm 17 years old, so I'm a junior in high school. I was born in 2003. I run cross country. I do speech and debate. 
and I'm also a vice president of a club called Girls with Goals. Okay, I'm Lucia Font. I'm 16 years old. I was born in 2003, so I'm a junior in high school also. And in high school, I run cross country, I play soccer, I play lacrosse, I'm part of speech and debate, and I'm also the vice president of a club called Girls with Goals. Oh, and Stockouts Miami. Or basically, it's like a group of nine girls, and we just um, invest in the stock market and like learn about the economy and finance. That's impressive. Okay, millennials, go ahead. My name's Caroline Nickerson. I'm on my favorite podcast as a guest, so this is a big moment for me. I am 26 years old. I was born in 1994. My job, I work in public engagement in science. I'm so delighted that my cousin Olivia Wells is joining today as my fellow millennial correspondent. Yeah, I'll take that segue. Um, So I'm Olivia Wells. I'm 31. I was born in 1989. I am a marketing manager for a Fortune 500 company here in the Florida Panhandle, and I'm in the resort division. So I handle um, boutique hotels and food and beverage outlets. So our first topic we're gonna start with is business. So the millennials, how important is money to you? So I was thinking a lot about the differences between our generations, and Olivia, I'd love to hear if you agree, but I think that millennials and Gen Z are actually very similar, except millennials are very tired. Um, and <laughs> I'm so tired. And I think that's why money is so important because um, millennials really have to suffer with like the gig economy and like the the struggles of like having to work as a consultant. And maybe um, like, I know millennials are faced with like a lot of job insecurity. Like a lot of my friends have been laid off. So like money is never far from the front of my mind and um, keeping like, I'm getting to the age where it's like, should I start a retirement account? Um, and uh, so that's been an interesting thing to experience. But yeah, money is very important to me. And even though like I really want to like prioritize like entrepreneurial pursuits, I always kind of have to do the cost benefit analysis to figure out if I'll be able to afford to. So Olivia, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. So, OK, it's funny when we talk about millennials as a generation generation, we all experience something very different. Caroline and I grew up together and yet we still like live very different lives and experience things very differently. And so take myself, for example, the, just the few people, the the few ages above me went to college, graduated, like life is good, right? We're all about to get jobs. And then the economy crashes and no one was hiring. And so they all had to move back in with their parents. And so that was always something in the back of my head when I was going to graduate high school, like do you go to college? Like, what does that look like now for me as the millennial generation? You do all these things to essentially make money, right? To find a job and to live. And it's like so uncertain. So yeah, it's, it is important. Granted, you need money to survive and live, but it's not something that I, it's not always on my mind per se, because I do want to continue to live my life and like, you don't know what tomorrow will bring, but it is important and you do have to save and you you do have to think about tomorrow, even though it is uncertain. Zoe, Lucia, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree that um, with Caroline and Olivia that Gen Z and millennials are similar and that um, money is like a huge priority in our life, I guess. And right now, like with Gen Z, what we're seeing because of the coronavirus, like a lot of people straight out of college, like can't get jobs. 
And um, as a high school student who's graduating next year, I'm kind of seeing that and kind of worried about going to college and like, will I even find a job after college? So although we're different in that we're not working yet and we don't really know like what our lives are going to be like or how money's going to play a factor, I would say that growing up money was always and is always like a huge important thing in my life and I wish it wasn't. I wish it didn't dominate my life, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. I really wish that money wasn't as important as it is in my life. But like Zoe said, we're not working. Our parents kind of pay for everything that we do. We don't have jobs. And so like our concerns with money aren't the same as millennials because we haven't really experienced that yet. But like, yeah, it is scary to think about because all the people that we see that do have jobs are experiencing these problems. And it's just like scary to think that that could be us lucia i'm Um, so impressed that you're like in the stock market already i feel like you're gonna be so much more prepared like when you're on the job market i mean my dad has a job in finance in the stock market so like i guess i've always been kind of exposed because i would like go to work with them and stuff our school doesn't teach us about this kind of stuff so we kind of had to learn for ourselves yeah that's really great that you're doing that caroline brought this up on her own but the whole entrepreneurial spirit we feel like gen z might be most likely to start their own businesses from what we've been seeing compared to millennials what are your thoughts on that olivia do you want to take this one first sure yeah i mean okay to be completely honest i don't know many gen zers i i guess i am representing the senior millennial (laughs) over here so i don't know many um but i could see that to be the case just because maybe companies aren't hiring right now, um, especially with the pandemic. So I could see how they would be like, okay, well, let's get creative. Let's figure this out because no one else is going to figure it out for ourselves. And I, I do see that across social media channels of just like them doing whatever they want because, again, no one else is going to do it for them. No, no one's holding their hand. And so let's take the bull by the horns, essentially. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how many Gen Z people are just kind of in the underground economy. Like, just scrolling through Venmo, a lot of the younger people, like, it's so weird that you can see other people's Venmo purchases, but that's a conversation for another podcast. Um, (laughs) But I feel like Gen Zers are just Venmoing each other for, like, you know, like, I see a lot of, like, Etsy stores popping up. And, like, I think millennials are doing that as well, to an extent. But Gen Zer, like, they might, because you are younger and you're more digital natives, like, I I can remember a time when there wasn't really a computer in my house, which I don't think is the case for Gen Z. Um, You probably have a more intrinsic understanding of, like, that economy that isn't necessarily reflected in, like, the formal, like, job with benefits world. Yeah, I think um, growing up on social media, small businesses have become, like, a huge thing on social media. Like, the way you can communicate with others through social media helps you get your brand out more. So I think... And that way, Gen Z are a lot more likely to start their own businesses and, like, be more creative in that sense. I think it's just so easy now. Like, it's so much easier than it ever was because of social media. And, like, I'm wearing a ring right now that I bought from Etsy, actually. Like, it's just so easy to just start your own business and, like, promote it through social media that everyone is starting on. Speaking of brands, do you care if the brands you shop from are socially conscious? 100%. That's like a huge um, concern of mine. I've been really trying to prioritize it because I've been guilty in the past of just like mindlessly buying things off Amazon. Um, But I I think that might be something that's in common with both of our generations that we're all kind of getting more progressive. 
100%. I actually, I didn't participate in Prime Day. I, I've never been an Amazoner. And is that a word? Amazoner? Is that a, how you describe someone? Yeah, I think for Gen Z, like in theory, I think we would all say that we do want want to support socially conscious brands. But I know that Gen Z in reality are huge on Amazon. Like Brandy Melville was such a huge thing going up. Now I know that there's been a lot of problems and controversies with like Brandy Melville and like stores like that. But I know that Gen Z still tends to shop at those stores. So I like on the Google form or like when answering these questions, I put like, yeah, I totally would shop at a um, socially conscious or like that's like important to me, like socially conscious um, brands. But now that I think about it, I honestly like I know fast fashion, too, is like a huge thing amongst Gen Z. I'm like trying to think which clothes of mine I really buy from socially conscious brands. And like all my clothes are from like Zara or something like that. And like. I used to buy a lot of clothes from Sheen or Shine or however you pronounce that. Um, But after their scandal with, like, the swastika and everything, my family stopped buying from there. But other than that, I feel like I really participate in fast fashion, and I wish I didn't, but I do. Sarah and I might chime in at times at Zillennials because we're kind of in the (laughs) middle. But we also have seen a lot of videos, for example, on TikTok where it'll be, like, knowing that, shopping from amazon isn't the best thing but me on my way to make jeff bezos mm-hmm. rich so i feel like gen z's will say that th- one thing but they right. and w- they'll do what's most comfortable or easiest for them yeah i totally agree, agree with that i think we're gonna move on to our next topic which is about life and we're gonna start with the gen zers this time so our first question in the grand scheme of things is do you want kids why or why not and also do you want to get married i mean like okay i have a lot of siblings i have three siblings i'm the oldest of four and like i see my parents like having so many problems with us because there's just a lot of us and like kids are a lot yeah i would say that um gen z are super like anti-having kids (laughs) like i've thought about it and if i was gonna have kids I'd want, like, if I was, I'd want to be, like, a lot older and, like, be settled completely and have a life plan. But I kind of want to live my life before I have kids. Because I always say this, once you have kids, like, your own life is basically over. And I guess Gen Z are more self-centered in that way, but I think we're also more smarter in that way. Yeah, the thing that you said about, like, your life being over when you have kids, I was talking with my mom about this the other day. I was like, oh, like... I don't think I'd want to stop working if I have kids. Like, I don't want to just to, like, stop doing what I want to do and stop doing what I care about if I have kids. And my mom was kind of like, oh, but you need to be there to, like, raise your kids and everything. Like, that's what makes a good family. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, what do I do? I don't know if I want kids or not. But I think if I was going to have kids, I definitely would want to adopt. That's something that I know for sure. Do you both see marriage as an important part of your life If you do, do you see yourself getting married later on in life rather than earlier? Yeah, I think I would um, get married later on in life, definitely. I don't think I want to get married till like, my late 30s. Yeah. Um, And just growing up and seeing, like, different families and seeing how, like, marriage doesn't always work out, um, it kind of makes me think, like, is marriage even important? Like, why is that even so important in our society that you have to settle down with one person for the rest of your life yeah I was thinking about it my parents got married at 27 and like when I was little I was like oh I'm gonna get married at 27 like just like my parents did 
that's only 10 years away and that's like not a long time and so I don't know if I'm I'm ready like that's only five years after I would graduate from college that's I barely got to live my life and then to have to be tied to someone it's not that I don't want to get married if I find the right person I probably will but it just seems like a lot yeah okay millennials go (laughs) Olivia's the married one you should answer first (laughs) so um 100% agree with you Gen Zers so I always okay never wanted kids I don't really enjoy them. Um, Granted, 100% will adopt. Like, I, but this would be like so much later in life. Um, I want to be able to enjoy my relationship with my husband. Um, I want to be able to do the things that we want. And then, and not so much like adopt a baby. Maybe it's like an older child that just needs a place to call home. Um, We've also talked about if, so this was, I met my husband when I was 18. We got married when I was 27. <laughs> and you think that is young to get married. A lot changes between high school and going to college and getting a career. And once you find that person, you're right. You are ready and you are ready to make a life together. So like they say, do you want kids? Go take a nap. Did you enjoy your nap? Okay, don't have kids. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I always talk about this with my friends, but we always talk about how, like, we don't want to share a room with anyone or, like, we don't want to share a bed with someone. We want to have, like, separate rooms because we just want our own, like, personal space, especially when getting married. And I think if I do get married, that's just something my husband's going to have to deal with because I want my own privacy. Like, I don't want to wake up to see a face every morning. (laughs) You do you. Hey, we write the rules that we live, right? You don't have to do what society tells you to do. So our next topic is bigger picture. Um, Before COVID-19, what was the biggest catastrophe in your lifetime? We'll start with Gen Z. Global catastrophe. Global anything. I think that there's two. I think the first is the rise of school shootings, which I think has affected us, like our generation the most. And then I think the second is like global warming and the climate change crisis. But I think the one that's really affected us the most is the rise of school shootings because we saw the effects of that take place like almost immediately with like school shooter drills and lockdowns and like everything and just like this constant fear I guess that anyone could come into your school and with a gun and you don't know what could happen and I feel like that wasn't I don't know that wasn't like a fear for millennials I feel like but I don't really know yeah yeah, definitely um the climate crisis because we're seeing now our current administration doesn't really believe in that and it's kind of just ruining it for the rest of us because we don't have a say in anything basically because we're not like eligible to vote or like most Gen Z's I don't know there's like older ones who are but um I think it's kind of just frustrating having to see like all of this play out and kind of feeling like you have no say in it it's frustrating because like it's our generation that's gonna have to like deal with this when it's yeah. all over, like the clock, I in I don't know where it is, but it says that there's like seven or eight years left. Like I'm gonna be in my in my twenties. Yeah. Like I'm barely gonna have lived my life, and the world's just gonna be like gone. Like I don't know what's gonna happen at the end of that clock, but I feel like the administration now doesn't care, and then it's us that's gonna get the worst of it. Yeah, I think for both Olivia and I, it was probably nine eleven. Wouldn't you say? That's my exact answer. Yeah. I think you both said you were born in 2003, right? So two years after 9-11. But I can, even though I was in the first grade, like, 
I, I still remember the day, and I remember all the ramifications afterward and how scared people were. The impact it had on daily life in terms of, like, flights, um, in terms of, like, the Iraq war and just, like, the national dialogue, it was huge. Yes, Carolyn covered that. Um, speaking, though, of I didn't even consider you guys not being able to vote right now. That must be so infuriating, and that's another reason, honestly, why I wouldn't want to have children right now, because the uncertainty of the future and our, like, what are you bringing that child into? What, what, it, what will be the world for them? So just circle back on that one. How important is it to you to use gender inclusive terms for people who don't identify with a gender? And was that ever brought up in your schooling or growing up? Yeah, I mean, it's really important to me, but I think we were kind of educated after the fact. I remember there was a transgender person at my high school and they were consistently misgendered in the yearbook and no one really realized how bad it was until after we graduated. Like, it, it's really important to me and it's never, like, I was never like a bigot or anything, but it wasn't just something, it wasn't something where I realized, like, the hurt people were experiencing. Olivia, what about you? Yeah, I didn't grow up with it at all. It wasn't talked about honestly even when I was in high school um I grew up as a ballet dancer and we had two male ballet dancers with us and they would get picked on for being they weren't out at that point because it wasn't like cool to come out um and it's hard for everyone to talk about it no matter what you're going through to come out and so I remember them getting picked on throughout high school but like that was never even a topic of gender neutral conversations. Um, so I remember the first email that I received as a professional, this was just a couple of years ago. And in someone's signature, they said they, them. I was like, that is so, I remember thinking it was so cool and I'd never seen it before. And then I got sad for myself because that was the first time that I'd ever even like experienced it. I, we had friends over just the other day, but they had a little boy and a little girl, and the little girl said that boys can't wear dresses. And I remember thinking, like, well, hold up. He can wear whatever you whatever he wants. Yeah, I think uh, Gen Z has made a lot more progress and in inclusivity, although there's a long way to go. I still think that compared to millennials, we've made a lot more progress. I saw, like, recently on TikTok, um, this school where it's, like, break gender norms, all the guys showed up at school and oh, um, in skirts, which I thought was really cool, and that gained a lot of attention, that, like, all these teenage boys were wearing skirts at school, and to kind of break the, like, gender norms and stuff, and I also have noticed a lot more that people, like, and their Instagram bios put she, her. I think, like, and I think this goes for everyone in our generation. Like, I've always been open and inclusive. I've never been, like, homophobic or anything. But recently, like, because of quarantine and because of, like, social media, I really, like, became educated and understood this topic a lot more. And then I really saw the rise of gender fluidity, like Zoe said. And it's been really recently, too. Like, these past few months is when I've seen it the most. Yeah, same. Like, I know a lot of um, people that uh, girls are kind of obsessed with now. Like, people like Harry Styles or kind of icons or celebrities like Timothy Chalamet, Ezra Miller. These different people at the Met Gala, too, like Billy Porter, who have been kind of breaking these gender norms and a lot of, like... Um, people our age are appreciating that and like especially with guys wearing nail polish like 
I know a lot of girls also find yeah. that attractive. Like, I think it really came from social media, like all of this, because we we all just got exposed to it through social media, and yeah. so I think that's why people became so inclusive and so open and so understanding. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think for our millennial generation, it came more about in college than in high school. I feel like when we were in high school and when we were younger, it still wasn't accepted as much as it is now. So it's we're in the middle of that, of course, as usual. Um, but something that's really important to both of our generations, um, did you talk about mental health growing up with your parents or in school? Absolutely not. No. Yeah, did it, you? never. Never. Not at school, not with my family. Honestly, I don't even remember people talking about like having anxiety. Mm -hmm. um and or depression or anything like that and um and maybe if someone went to a therapist you just like you you didn't know because they didn't talk about it because it wasn't okay like people that went to see therapists there was something wrong with them and that's absolutely not the case and i i hate that um there's been so many generations that have grown up that way but thank goodness we're finally talking about it I feel like the baby boomers and like the Gen X's and stuff were kind of like, oh, you'll just get over it. Like, just get through it. Just get past it. We've been through hard times. So it's interesting that that has shifted, of course. Um, so Gen Zers, did you guys talk about it with your parents or in school? I mean, in school, yeah. We would have like our school counselor come to us in like sixth, seventh and eighth grade and talk about like all these different topics that range from like mental health to like alcohol and drugs. We also have this program um, at our high school called HIP. It's like where the juniors and seniors teach the freshmen about mental health. Cause I know a lot of like younger kids don't really take it seriously when it's coming from an adult. Cause they're like, oh, like you don't know. So I think that's like an important thing that our school does um, to make sure that like kids are really listening that this is a problem amongst all of us and that it's okay. And also in my family, I think we've always talked about mental health I know my parents um, are super adamant about me, like dealing with my anxiety. They try to find me different remedies, different coping mechanisms too, which I think is super important because if you're not exposed to that when you're younger, it could just like develop um, into so many worse problems when you're older. Yeah, I think my family also talked about it. Like I've never felt uncomfortable to go to my parents and tell them about what problems I've been having. I've always been able to be open with them and talk to them about it and like, and I think also back to social media, I think people are a lot more open about like their mental health issues on social media. People aren't really afraid to admit they have anxiety or depression or some other mental disorder anymore. And like, I know that I talk about it with my friends all the time about like if I have anxiety or anything. What about going to a therapist? Is that accepted in conversation? Do people know if people go to therapists? I mean, Zoe and I have talked about it before. Yeah, we've both talked about it a lot. All my friends know that like, I see a therapist, I think. I've seen a therapist before, and I've told people about it. Yeah, I think that's something that we kind of, like, encourage with each other. Like, if we're having problems, like, oh, like, maybe you should talk to someone that's, like, more, like, qualified than us. And I don't really think that's a huge stigma like that used to be now. Like, I know they used to call them shrinks or something. <laughs> like, no one ever says that anymore. Like, yeah. Interesting. Do you have anxiety? That was one of the questions on the forum. We feel like all the Gen Zs who answered said yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Me and Lucia both have talked about how we do have anxiety. I know I have like diagnosed anxiety. I think 
that's where you see one of the negative impacts of social media, I feel like. Because yeah. I think social media is really what differentiates our generation versus others is because we like literally grew up um, with it in our hands. And I think sometimes that can become a toxic environment. Okay, so we're going to shift over to technology. So how old were all of you when you got a phone? I got my first phone. I got a Razer flip phone in the sixth grade. And then I leveled up to one of those slidey phones in the ninth grade. And then I finally got an iPhone in like the 12th grade. I was 15. Um, My elementary school gave us iPads in fourth grade. So that was like the first thing I had, but I did my parents didn't give me a phone until I was in sixth grade. I had like an iPod touch where like you like had like an app where you could call and text people <laughs> when I was like seven years old. Oh, I would always be on that. And then I got my first iPhone. <laughs> I bought it with my own birthday money um, when I was like maybe 10 years old. Wow. So, yeah, I was really young. Could you imagine your life without social media? Let's go to millennials first. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool. I've been, I, at first I said no, but like then I was like, no, I could imagine it. Um, but I, I do like social media because I think it's a really great tool to organize. Like, I should download TikTok now that you guys have been talking about it. But I love that we're all able to like organize political movements on social media, like power to the people. Yes. Okay. So a large portion of my job is social media. I'm a social media manager. I don't know. I'm like on both sides of it. Like personally, I could get off social media, but I personally can't because my career depends on it. Um, But to Caroline's point, yes, like it brings people together. It's actually educated me, especially through the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I was able to start following accounts that I wouldn't be exposed to otherwise, which is amazing. Like how it's hard to Google people that are on the ground, grassroots, like whereas with Instagram, you could watch an Instagram live story and be experiencing it with these people and feel their emotions. Yeah, I think this is where I see Gen Z and millennials differ the most. And that social media, I guess, has benefited millennials in the ways that you've said. But I think social media for Gen Z has been able to do all these things. But I think really it's like kind of been the like change Gen Z for the worse, I guess. Our social media is, I feel like is super different from millennial social media and that millennials use it to mobilize, use it to communicate with old friends, all that stuff. But our generation like thrives off of social media. Like you walk around, everyone's on their phone all day. Social media basically just dominates our life and I feel like it can make a lot of people feel alone. Because when you're constantly on the phone, constantly looking at what other people are doing and you look at your own life and you're kind of just like, wow, like what is my life compared to all these people? And I feel like that's constantly what Gen Z people are doing. And like when I talk to my friends, like the majority of time, if I'm not at school, I'm like talking to to them through social media. And so, yeah, I think that's where Gen Z and millennials differ the most. And I like definitely could not see my life without it. And as much as I love social media, I think I also hate it at the same time. And I, like me and my friends always talk, like look at old like um, videos of uh, 2000s kids in like high school. And we're always like, oh my gosh, like it looks so fun. Like imagine if like, we were there, like no social media, like you're just hanging out with your friends. Like we wish like we could have that so badly. I think I wish I could say no. I, I mean, like, yes, I could live without social media, 
Like, I can't. Like, literally, I spend so much time on my phone, and I wish I didn't, but, like, I just don't know how to not. Especially now in quarantine, my screen time went up, like, four hours a day because, like, there's nothing else for me to do, and I just spend all my time on it. Like, Zoe said, Zoe's right. I think it really made our generation take a turn for the worse because we just focus on that and like only that and that's where we get everything like our news of what our friends are doing how we talk to them like everything that we do is on social media what's everyone's phone screen time amounts really quickly before we get into that mine's 11 hours but that's embarrassing but for the the two zillennials uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not ashamed it's 11 hours i'm just gonna be honest but for you zillennials so what i've observed for like your intermediary generation social media usage i feel like you guys will like disappear for a weekend and like be in the wilderness and then you'll resurface on like monday morning with an instagram story of you in the woods like that's what i've noticed with your generation like i feel like maybe gen z is more like constantly attached to it like live streaming your life millennials are like on there like reading textbooks zillennials you guys are in the woods not using social media but resurfacing with a cool instagram story i think that kind of what olivia brought up we think about too how we wish we couldn't be on social media but we ultimately feel like our jobs are going to make us and which will suck us in because any internship or job i've done it's like you need to monitor twitter for different news sites and i just wonder kids our age who don't have social media if they were put in a position like that how would they know who to follow what to look at how to use it so that yeah i guess i don't think that will have the luxury to ever get off of it just because of work life no another thing i always talk about with her is i wish in college and our universities they taught us more about like social media and coding some majors obviously do do that but in general as i'm looking for jobs right now i find a lot of the jobs are in communications and social media work and in those areas i'm not as skilled as some of those majors are yeah, like, I've had so much experience running random social media accounts, like, whether they be, like, fan accounts or food accounts or, like, yeah. random accounts. So I think, like, our generation will be super good in that. My phone screen time, um, <laughs> this week it was pretty low. It was, like, six hours, but last week it was, like, nine. Um, like, nine hours a day. And, like, what Zoe said, yeah, I have a lot of experience running social media accounts, when we started our club, Girls With Goals, like, the first thing we wanted to do was start the Instagram, and Zoe and I were like, please, like, can we make the Instagram? We want to make it so badly. Yeah. And so go follow our Instagram account. But, um, yeah, I just, like, I can't imagine mm-hmm. not using social media. I don't know what my life would be like. Yeah, and, like, my screen time also is, like, super high. It's normally seven hours a week. Sometimes it gets, like, higher to, like, 12 or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, like... Like, when I go to my screen time, the main thing I do is, like, things that I feel like I'm wasting my time doing, they're not really even important. Like, I know, like, millennials, like, the reason why their screen time is so high probably because they're, like, educating themselves on different things or, like, I don't know, doing something for their job. Like, me, it's just mindless scrolling Mm because I, like, feel like I have nothing else to do. And when I'm bored, like, oh, go on my phone, just, like, go through random things and see random stuff. And also, but also at the same time, I think a lot of the reason, like, especially during online school, I, my screen time would be so high, but that's mostly because, like, for every single class, I would have to message my friend or, like, FaceTime them for something. So, like, I've noticed that, like, in online school and with the whole different, like, 
coronavirus schooling format, like your phone is basically a necessity that you need to have. Like your teachers are like, oh, go do this on your phone or whatever. So I think like if you're our age and you don't have a phone, I honestly, I honestly like don't understand how you would do school. Surprisingly, <laughs> my stay time is only like three to four hours. It's not a lot. Um, and I do scroll personally because um, Instagram's my favorite social account. Um, screw Facebook. I'm so over Facebook, but it, it exists. Um, but yeah, and I use it just like those Gen Zers said. I use it to read articles. Um, I've curated my Instagram feed to be politically driven and like, what do I want to see? And like, how do I want to educate myself through that platform? Um, there's some influencers in there, but. Yeah, Gen it's, Z's, it's not as high as you guys. Gen Zs don't have Facebook, right? The younger Gen Zs. Yeah, not a single one of my friends has Facebook. Good. Like, my parents always try to message me things on Facebook, but like I'm just like I literally just don't have Facebook. Like, <laughs> Zillennials, yeah. we created our Facebook in like sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I know Maya and Sarah met literally through Facebook, Facebook. and that's how like you choose a roommate in college. And I don't think like um, colleges has switched over to like Instagram I guess would like be the place where they would do that so I think we're gonna have to end up getting a Facebook or something but it's funny that you guys say that your favorite app is Instagram because I feel like Facebook to you guys is Instagram to us like we hate Instagram we think it's the most cringy thing in the world like we like we use it for like to just post our own pictures but like I know like me or like any of my friends like the only time we do scroll through Instagram is for politics or like yeah. sending each DMing each other like different things about celebrities. Personally, like we like never use Instagram. I would say my favorite apps are TikTok and Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I would say the same TikTok and Twitter. And I didn't have a Twitter until like a month ago when Zoe was like, "You need to get Twitter. Like it's the best app ever." So I got Twitter, and now I like can't stop using it. Does everyone and- here have Snapchat? Snapchat, like, instead of texting, like, I never text my friends. I never text anyone through iMessage. Like, Snapchat is literally how you communicate with other people, like, every single day. Like, I would say TikTok and Twitter are my favorite apps, but Snapchat is probably the one I use Yeah, same. Millennials, do you feel the same way about Snapchat? Snapchat used to be big, but I feel like it died. I Snapchat. I Snapchat close friends. I don't, like, share stuff to my stories. I know, like, private stories are a huge thing amongst Gen Zers. Like, we literally document every five seconds of our lives. And, like, Lucia, like, if you literally look at her private story, it has, like, you just keep on tapping, and it's just hours of her explaining a story. That's Sarah. And, yeah, it's so funny, because, like, um, like, it's so funny to see that Gen Zers are super personal with their life, especially on, like, private stories and stuff, where, like, they share that with all their friends. But I feel like that's also kind of one of the toxic sides of, like, social media, because private stories, it's, like, a really big thing if, like, you're, like, you have someone on your private story and you're not on theirs. Oh, but, like, <laughs> And, like, also, I, I have two private stories, which, like, sounds so dumb <laughs> now that I'm saying it, but I have one with, like, 60 people, and then I have one with, like, 20 people because- you guys have literally recreated MySpace, though. Like, you mu- you have to know. Like, Olivia can give more context on the MySpace phenomenon, but it devastated me in middle school when I would be taken off people's top friends. I'd be like, oh, they killed me. They stabbed me. And you guys are doing that with your Instagram private stories. Oh, my gosh. Full circle. MySpace. Good job bringing back up MySpace, Caroline. I always forget about it. It was super music heavy. Um, and then, yeah, top friends. That, that was huge. How important are influencers to your everyday life is what we want to talk about next. I'd like to say no, but I have a David Dobrik sweatshirt and (laughs) I 
I go on TikTok room on Instagram all the time. Like, I don't actually care about them. It's just, like, fun to see the drama and, like, stay updated. Yeah, I think, like, influencers are just so shoved in our face that you really can't escape them. And, like, ever since I was, like, seven years old, like, YouTubers were such a huge thing. Like, beauty gurus, like, Bethany Moda, all these... Uh, um mac barbie 07 juicy star whatever like all those girls who i guess would you consider like the first influencers like on youtube i was obsessed with i wanted to be them you like, would I'm buy like, everything that they promoted <laughs> I remember. if they say like buy this i would like buy it and i think that kind of transcended into like now that i'm older like the influencers i do follow are people that i like really look up to i guess and I really think that are just, like genuine cool people, but I think also like the Gen Zers listening to this, if there are any like no Addison Ray or like Charlie D'Amelio <laughs> or like all these girls, and I bet the millennials have like no idea who they who they are, but they're just like, I, the millennials wish we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I also wish I didn't know them, and like I wish it wasn't so forced in my face because it makes me so angry to see these girls with like very little to none talent just getting famous off of just being on social media because it's just like oh like that could have been me and that's where like jealousy plays a huge part because i'm just like oh, okay like charlie d'amelio like yeah she's like good at dancing but like i could do that it's like crazy yeah. to me that she's younger than us she's literally younger than us and she has like 90 million followers on tiktok yeah. and she blew up within like the span of a year and it's like because one video of her dancing in her school bathroom like wearing a really short skirt got famous and now she's like one of the biggest influencers in the world and addison ray gave the billboard music award to gina yeah. styles last night i was so mad yeah. she's like not that much older than me and she's meeting like my favorite yeah. person ever I, was, I was like oh my god like do these huge celebrities <laughs> like just like the fact that like addison may was hanging out with chloe kardashian like girl you're not even that like you're not that like all of like, it just makes me it just it just TikTok hypes you up it hypes you up yeah. yeah tiktok influencers have become like a huge new thing especially during quarantine and like that type of influencer has made me the most angry right but so millennials we talk about this right, we know here. millennials did you have any influencers growing up that you can think of i feel like millennials your influencers or who really started influencers was probably like the simple life paris hilton and like it was like britney spears and britney spears like that jenner yeah yeah millennials do you know what cancel culture is have you heard of that and what is everyone's thoughts on it i'm here for it my thought is like what's the end result like what do we do with someone after they're canceled it's holding people accountable and it's not even just people it's also companies i take chick-fil-a as example and they are homophobic and they haven't been canceled here in the south i'm all for holding people accountable, holding companies accountable. Yes, I agree that people should be held accountable. And I like cancel culture sometimes. I think people take it way too far. Like this, I mostly see it on TikTok, but this guy on TikTok, like someone asked him in a comment to speak Spanish. So he made a video of him like eating chips and he was like, hola, and there was like Dora playing in the background. And they canceled him because they were like, you're being so stereotypical of Hispanics. I'm Hispanic and I was not offended by that video at all. I was like, he just he's just trying to be funny. And I think that when people do something like that, it just adds to the stigma of like a snowflake liberal or like Gen Z, the weakest to most sensitive generation. But obviously in other cases where like a video of another TikTok influencer came out of him saying the N-word multiple times, multiple videos came out and they won't cancel him. And he's still one of the biggest users on the app. 
And like in that case, someone should be canceled. Something that I think about is I feel like all of us have done something or posted something at some point in our life that could get us canceled. So it's like everyone's acting as if, you know, that they couldn't be in that same circumstance if they got famous. So maybe be a little kinder with certain circumstances. So our politics section, we're going to start with Gen Z on the first question. Do you think that the two-party system and the Electoral College are effective? No. No, 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 no. I think it's sad that like more than like half I get, I don't know the exact statistics, but literally more than half of our whole entire country doesn't even know what the Electoral College is, doesn't know how, how it works. And the fact that like we, we say that we're a democracy and the fact that our democracy literally doesn't even know what they're doing when they're voting, like it's just an absolutely insane to me. And I think Electoral College should definitely be abolished. I just, it's so simple to me that you could just do whoever the majority like wins. Or also, we were talking about this in my gov class, which I never really thought about this, about like a ranking system when voting in regards to the two-party system. Like rather than just like, oh, you vote Democrat or Republican, you can rank your choices. So like, oh, if the Democrat doesn't win, I want the independent. And that seems like such, like just such a more logical way to vote in my opinion, because I think our nation has become so much more highly politicized, which is like something we talk about a lot in my gov class. I think that um, having a ranking system rather than just like, oh, voting Republican or Democrat would be a lot more effective, like a, a more effective use of our votes. I think personally, like this might be kind of controversial, but the 2016 election, I was kind of young. I was in seventh grade. I did not understand what was going on. We came back to school and we had been learning about the Electoral College, I guess, but not really. We had just mo been mostly talking about the election. And it, it just shocked me that we call ourselves a democracy, but the person with the most votes didn't even become our president. Like the two-party system, I just think it's it's so divisive and so polarized right now that it's just like such a problem. But I don't know, I don't have any suggestions and I don't know what we could do instead. Uh, the ranking system I like, but I still feel like the parties are important for people to find people that they, that their ideas resonate with, with people that they understand and people that they know that will be on their side if they need it. Like at this point, it's like you're a Republican or you're a Democrat and like you can't be in between, you can't be like a anything. little bit of both. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, basically you have to compromise one thing for the sake of another, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think is not um, what a democracy should be. Y'all, I have a quick pitch. So it's called sortition. It's the random selection of your officials. I think we should, that's what they did in ancient Athens. I, I actually think it could work pretty well because people tend to rise to the occasion when they're given responsibility. It's like jury duty, but for the entire government. And like, that's half a joke, but like, I partially think it could probably work. Olivia, what do you think? I agree with the Gen Zers. Yeah, I think um, it's broken and the like electoral college does not make sense. Like what happened in 2016? Olivia, when you registered to vote, like you probably went with Papa, I'm guessing. Did you register as a Republican? I sure did. Yeah, I did whatever Papa told me to do. At that point in my life and people that influenced me and my family and the people that I surround myself with, I was considered a Republican. I quickly grew up and I changed my registration to Democrat and I've been voting Democrat ever since. What do you guys think about that? Like, do you know anyone who's a Republican? 
my dad's a registered Republican, but he does not vote that way. My grandparents are Republican. They're Cuban. They immigrated from Cuba. I don't know the year. And like I was talking to my grandmother on the phone the other day. She told me that the reason that she's Republican is because she's scared to go back to communism, which is the, from the country that she got kicked out of and her life got destroyed in that country. But I was like, okay, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, Joe Biden's not going to take us to communism. There's a good faith, I think, conservative discussion to be had. Like, there are certain issues where you're like, okay, the conservative point of view could make sense. But, like, the current Republican Party, I just really worry that, like, their presidential candidate has been, like, seen, like, urging white supremacists on, like, telling the Proud Boys to stand by. Like, it's just absurd. Like, that's bad. Yeah, I think that the fact that the Republican Party allowed for this to happen in the first place is like their fault really so it just puts a bad name on them and i don't really i can't really see them in the same light anymore and then this goes back to the two-party system people are so blinded by their party that a lot of it boils down to single issue voters though Mm -hmm. as well so we have to keep that in mind so this all brings us to were you excited about the prospect of joe biden being the democratic candidate and if not who was your ideal candidate i love joe biden um But I'm an institutionalist. Like, I was just so excited. I was like, oh, he'll be so good for the bureaucracy. Um, (laughs) Like, think about the things he'll do for the EPA. Oh, I'm so excited. But I know I'm in the minority among my fellow millennials. I was a Bernie supporter. um, Voted for him in the primaries. Uh, I was just, I'm just so excited by him about the change that he would bring on. And I know he scares a lot of people. And so that's why... um, Maybe they didn't jump on that burning train, but I definitely felt the burn. I wasn't necessarily mad about Joe Biden. I also wasn't really happy about him either. I was kind of just like, I don't have a say in this anyway. So (laughs) for anyone not Trump, um, I really wish that we had a woman. I really wish we had more people of color as candidates, especially like women of color. But yeah, I was excited because I think that he was he's the best person to get Trump out of office and also I like a lot of his policies but I didn't want another old white man as president I wanted to see yeah women and people of color and people in the LGBTQ community I wanted to see some diversity instead of another isn't it crazy that we ended up with Bernie and Joe Biden out of all those other candidates yeah like the two oldest like men like I just don't I feel like we need more younger they're so old like they're my grandparents age my grandfather cannot be the president of the United States yeah, Sarah and I were talking about there should be a max age to run for president the way there's a minimum age. You really think yeah. so? Yeah, that's what we think. I think, I mean, there is a minimum age, 35, to be president. It's got to be at some point. Like, you can't be 80 years old running the country. Why not? Yeah. I truly think that your mental capacity is nowhere where it used to be at when you're 80 years old and up. And you can see that, like, if you look at Joe Biden, when he's talking as a senator back in the day, he's brilliant, really. So I I really do think that there should be a maximum age at some point. Okay, so a new definition that came about in 2020. What do you guys think of defund the police? I am for it in a way that I don't think a, when someone's having a mental health issue they should not be approached by someone with a badge and a gun um that does not help anyone and i don't think there's enough training that could be done for someone that is heavily armed 
to help that person. There, there's a different kind of training. And so taking those funds from the police and putting it to someone that has the capacity to support someone that's going through that sort of mental health crisis. That's especially in Florida with the Baker Act. Like, it's just kind of messed up that our our default when people someone's suicidal in Florida is we call the police on them. That's, like, literally our law in this state. Well, I also think it should be reformed, the police. I think that there needs to be more training, like, in terms of racial issues and gender issues. And I think that there needs to be more, like, awareness of people's mental and emotional capacity. So, like, sending in social workers along with officers and things like that but I don't think defunding is the best idea because like if someone breaks into your house like what are you gonna do if you can't call the police but I don't think that they meant I mean I don't really know what they meant it's like kind of confusing to me but like I don't think defunding the police was the best word for it I think they should have used another word and maybe more people would have been supportive of it yeah I agree I think this is where me and Lucia differ from most Gen Z's because I know a lot of Gen Z's are always like like it's like a trend or like an aesthetic almost which I think is really disgusting they like like make like a cab an aesthetic where all cops are bad and they like graffiti it on the walls with like their skateboards and make TikToks of it which I think is so weird because like I know like like a lot of these people genuinely don't care about (laughs) these issues it's become more of like a thing to say and I totally agree that our systems have been corrupt since the beginning of time and I think we definitely need to restructure it. I think the fact that other countries have way longer police force training programs in America, it's so easy to become a police officer in America. I think it should be a lot harder than it is. These other countries, like they don't even they don't like they don't reach for their gun as their first instinct. But I do think that people have made like a cab and like all these different things have made it seem a lot more harsher that a lot of other people don't really get on board and like I'm excited for our generation to become the people in charge because I think that's where we'll see the most change but like sadly right now we kind of have to like restructure what we say to kind of gear towards older people because older people aren't that open to radical change so I hope we can get there in our generation but I think like as of now it's like sad to say I think we have to be like more practical. Going off of the whole police brutality on a scale of one to ten how effective do you think protests are i'd give it a 10 what do you think olivia yeah definitely like what what else do we have if not protests and demonstrations and sit-ins how else will we will we be heard and it's worked in the past we're now able to vote as women because we walk down the streets and made our voices heard yeah i would give it an eight or a nine because i think that that's the best way that you can really advocate for yourself is through protests and like Like you said, that's really how anyone has their rights right now. But to be honest, I was kind of discouraged during this whole movement of protest over the past couple of months. And I know that small changes here and there have been made. But to see that these protests have gained so much attention and so much traction. And still, like, the cops who killed Breonna Taylor weren't convicted. And, like, all these things that are really upsetting to see that we protested and we really were passionate about for, like, so long like still no change or reform happened i mean i really like protests i think that they're so important i think that they're very effective but the like it's not really a problem what makes me upset is that people love to turn protests against them like people take like the riots and like the fires and everything and only highlight that 
only showed that in the media. What are your thoughts and trust in the media in general? Um, I really trust traditional media, like um, like local newspapers. I do worry with like the proliferation of like online news. It's just it's harder to have a shared understanding of what's credible and what's not. And I think Gen Z will probably have to implement some sort of like media skills training in schools and whatnot for like the next generation. I actually had a debate about this in my government class like two days ago. Um, And we basically said that like the media is only effective and like only good when you use it correctly. You can't just sit in your own little echo chamber and only look at the information that supports your ideas. You need to use the media to go out and like branch out and see other people's perspectives. So you can strengthen your own argument, but also understand where other people are coming from. No one does that. Everyone just sits with the people that agree with them and they don't look at the other side because they're ignorant or because they don't care to know and they just it makes everything so much worse it makes them more divisive and more polarized yeah and honestly i'm gonna call myself out here i feel like i do (laughs) that it's definitely hard for me to see the other side of things and like i know i just get so riled up when i see things that i disagree with on social media and i tend to like stay towards my own view which um i think i need to work on i guess but i think like um my trust in media, I would say, is, like, 50-50 because I've only ever grown up getting my news from, like, social media. And, like, I mean, I guess everyone only gets their news from media. But I think the media now is just, like, very different than it was before. Like, CNN and Fox News is just all you ever hear and how they're both so polarized and so different. And, like, when I was younger, I thought, like, oh, like, I, like, trusted CNN, like, so much. I was like, oh, yeah, like... I just know what they're saying is right. But then, like, as I grew up and, like, I was watching it, I kind of see, like, where their biases are. Okay, so on to our next topic that is obviously at the forefront of our nation today as we're seeing the Supreme Court justice nominations and hearings and Roe versus Wade is being put into question. What are each of your thoughts on abortion? And also Uh, how it's spoken about in society. In society. Yeah, I mean, um... We live in Miami, Florida, and I mean, I guess I could talk about this. Right? Yeah, go. I mean, it's controversial, but this is a huge thing that happened a couple weeks ago. There was this old boys school, an old, old boys, boys Catholic old school. boys Catholic school. They went to a a pro life protest and they posted about it on their Instagram. And this school is like really big. If a man goes there, they're more likely than not to send their son there. And so it's like the same community of people. Like it's. It's an echo chamber. It's like the same people who believe the same thing go to this school. And so they went to a pro-life protest, and they posted about it on their Instagram. And this post went viral in Miami, I guess. And people started, like, DMing them and emailing them and commenting on the post and being like, you're an all-boys Catholic school. Where's the separation of church and state? You don't get to make decisions on a woman's body. And they turned off the comments of their post. They never addressed the heat or the controversy that they were getting. And it started, like, the the controversy and the backlash that they were getting started getting so intense. They were, like, the boy, and these are middle schoolers, too, keep in mind. They're, like, 11, 12 years old, and they're out there holding signs that are, like, your birth control is killing my son. To broadcast it all over social media, I think, was just, like, really inappropriate. Well, I saw a poll recently um, where 70% of men actually are against abortion and 60% of women are nationwide. Um, and this is like, I think they probably had a bias survey because a lot of polling like has to rely on landlines. But like, I thought that demonstrated an important point because like, 
I think a lot of people have a different view on abortion until they're in that situation. But I, yeah, I think it's a woman's choice. And like, obviously, like if a baby can live outside the womb, I probably think abortion shouldn't happen unless there are like major complications. So like, why even legislate it? Like, it should just be a doctor's choice. I'm pro-choice and I don't understand why anyone has a say on it. What are your honest, true beliefs about what is going to happen in the election? Do you think Trump is going to be voted out? I think he's not going down without a fight. I was about to say that. You're so right. (laughs) I know there's going to be, I don't think we're going to get the results right away. I think there's going to be some sort of issue, some sort of recounting, especially with the mail-in votes and like all these different unprecedented times right now because of coronavirus. We spoke to an astrologer today for our astrology episode we have coming. And she said that in the astrology community, they're predicting the whole recount thing versus Gore. Yeah, because the stars are aligned. Like she explained it better the same way it was with Bush versus Gore. So, Mm -hmm. oh, you're kidding. (laughs) So we're in for a treat, guys, soon. All I have to say is um, I'm doing everything in my power to help Joe Biden. And girls, even though you aren't old enough to vote right now, you can still volunteer your time. I've been working on the weekends, making phone calls for the Biden campaign. So you can do everything in your power. To, to help the Democratic Party do it because, I mean, that's that's all we have. Okay, last yeah. one. Which do you think is the best and worst generation? Generation Alpha are kids right now who are less than 10 years old. Then Gen Z is up 7 to 22, 23. Millennial is 23 to 38. Gen X is 39 to 54. Baby Boomer is above that, so like up to 73. I think millennials are the best and baby boomers are the worst. I think baby boomers destroyed the environment and um, they didn't rise to the occasion to create a better society. And I think millennials are the best because um, I think Gen Zers are a close second, but I think millennials are the ones who are kind of like grappling with all this right now. Like millennials are the ones who are like kind of kicking ass with Joe Biden's campaign. Uh, They're like assuming positions of leadership in like the scientific community and so many other like facets of our society. I initially, when I answered this question, um, I agreed with Caroline. I did millennials as the best, not because I am one. And then I chose baby boomers as the worst. And then I changed my answer and I put millennials as the worst. I think um, it's so hard to wrap a whole generation up and say they're either the best or the worst. There's good baby boomers. But to Caroline's point of they're the ones that destroyed the world it was also like the greatest generation they they didn't know no either um granted i think the baby boomers aren't helping generations below them because everything's theirs mine 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 but um there's pros and cons to all generations to all walks of life i agree that you can't sum up a generation but um i put that um gen x is that the one after baby boomers Mm -hmm. I put that they were the worst because, yeah, we all know baby boomers suck. Like, I think Gen X, like, they, like, had the capacity to really change things. Um, I guess baby boomers kind of really weren't as woke, as you'd say, and I guess Gen X weren't really either. But they really had the opportunity. They have the opportunity right now to, like, change things, and they're really just not doing anything. And I'm biased, but I think that Gen Z is the best generation. I know that we haven't really seen much of how... Generation Z has been able to, like, play out in terms of, like, career-wise in the future. But I think, like, as of right now, us as a generation are 
super cognizant of everything that's going on and I think we're really just ready to change things whereas like I guess the millennials kind of I feel like in my opinion they're kind of living in their own lives I guess like I know I have a lot of cousins who are millennials and just like different people that I see and they're super tired I guess like how you guys would say and I think that Gen Z is the best in that like we're ready to start getting things done again. I originally put baby boomers as the worst, but I kind of want to change it to Gen X because I agree with what Zoe said. They have the opportunity to fix things right now, and they're kind of just doing nothing. And then, yeah, I'm also biased, but I put Gen Z as the best because I I just can't wait to see what happens when Gen Z is in power. I think Gen Z is the generation that's ready to make change and like already is thinking about it at a younger age than most other generations did. Based on what I see off of TikTok videos, I think Gen Z will elect AOC as president. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. For sure. Actually, after after talking with Maya's mom, I was thinking about the Gen X as well. But the Gen X and some baby boomers as well really started a lot of the movements of our time, whether it be uh, the women's movement, the 70s, as well as the civil rights era, which were huge for that time and monumental. So I think those generations really inspired our generations to start those movements because we wouldn't have done it probably without them. That's true. They set the precedent. For yeah. Well, well, do you guys just want to share? Did you learn anything new about the other generation we spoke to today? Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. Um. I like before like talking. I always had more of like a negative connotation of millennials. I guess I just like thought they were kind of random and like I don't know. Not that I thought they were random. But I just kind of thought they were more of, like, living in their own kind of world type of thing. Like, now that, like, I've seen, like, all, like, the hardships and, like, the way that, like, they've um, really adapted to different situations and responded. And, like, you guys, like, consistently mentioned how you guys are kind of, like, tired and fed up and burnt out, which, like, I really recognize now. So I think that's, like, an important thing I learned. And I think it's important for Gen Zers and Millennials to work together to, like, because we're, like, we're all that's left right now, and we have to just, like, work together to improve. We have a lot more in common than I thought. Like, I thought that Millennials and Gen Z just had such different opinions. But, like, talking with you guys, I realized that, like, we agree on a lot of the same topics. And, like, I get, like Zoe said, I had this preconception of um, Millennials. I just thought that they, like, were annoying, and, like, I didn't really know what they did. Like, I felt bad that, like, baby boomers always attacked them for, like, being poor. And, like, yeah. you see the articles, like, millennials aren't buying paper napkins anymore. Like, I felt bad that that was, like, your guys's stereotype. Like, yeah. I guess I don't The know. reason, I'll just say the reason that we even thought of this idea was because on apps like TikTok, we saw a lot of Gen Zs giving hate to millennials mm-hmm. and being, like, oh, they're so cringy, they just are obsessed with BuzzFeed and, like, what Harry Potter house they're in. But then, now, randomly, Gen Z's obsessed with Harry Potter, so they pretend to hate millennials, but you guys inspire them a lot, clearly. I think it's so hilarious that you all have recreated MySpace. Like, that just, like, moves me, and, like, that's something new I learned today. Olivia and I were experiencing life with flip phones, and you all are experiencing life with smartphones, but, like, I think our problems are the same, because, like, it's like, do my friends hate me? Why am I not on her story, you know? But, like, yeah. like we're all just, like, doing our best. It's just, like, the, the times have changed. Yes. I've actually never had a conversation, especially an educated conversation, with high schoolers. So, yeah, I mean, it was eye-opening to be able to speak with you guys and to get your thoughts. And, honestly, the, 
you're talking about in school right now. So that's, it's a hot topic for you guys. It's on the top of your mind. Um, I do get frustrated when millennials are in everyone's mind as like this saying, you know, like we drink pumpkin spice lattes and we go to Target all day, right? Like, I feel like that's, millennials just get a bad rep. I'm so glad that we got to come together and talk about important conversations. It's so amazing how thoughtful you all are. Like, I I don't know, like, I have hope for the future because I think we have, like, a really thoughtful, like, amazing group of people in this world. So after that debate, a couple of thoughts came to my mind. Definitely for me and Maya, we're on the cusp of millennial and Generation Z. And I think just growing up, I was more in the millennial mindset. Okay. And I have a younger sister, right. so I think I'm more in the Gen Z. And you have an older brother, so that might be why you identify yes. more with millennials. Yeah. Like social media stuff, I would say more Gen Z. But it's just crazy that we're not in one over the other. It mm-hmm. really is a middle point. We talked a lot about, okay, millennials are tired. They're tired of all of this has happened. Will that happen to Gen Zers? Right. Will Gen Zers get tired after all this, especially if Donald Trump right. is reelected? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah, how long can this energy last truly? Because, I mean, after four years, so many people are like, I don't even care anymore. I'm so tired. I'm tired. Right. So Zillennials are tired. <laughs> and we haven't even entered the workforce. I'm tired. I'm tired of, like, the polarization and everything right. happening. I think that it's all fun and dandy to be like, oh, we are the change for a generation. But I do think there are going to be points, if this continues to happen, where you are tired. And I think for every generation that's happened, Gen X, baby boomers, whatever, there have been change makers in every generation, every single one. But there's just been movements as a whole that have been bad, you know, such as like not caring about the environment. But I will say Gen Z is the most accepting generation. And like the girls talked about, it was because there so many things are getting normalized on social media and ways of thinking are changing that you would never have seen in an older generation. And that is probably just because they weren't exposed to it. I think that I really do think that like Gen Zers kids will be the most woke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of think, I don't know with technology and stuff, but I kind of think that the generation after Gen Z, which I guess people say every year, like that generation will be the best. But I don't know, just like how they were raised. I mean, they had to worry about a virus at age seven, six. Yeah. So what is that generation? So that generation, I think, I mean, they're probably going to be tired at like age 10. But (laughs) no, I really, I think that like generations really following after Gen Z and such will be powerhouse generations. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and we'll see you next time. See you next time.